Your go-to girls, Jill Vanek and Lauren Sherwin, flip the script and give you a weekly dose of career advice, banter, and the insider office gossip. You have all heard the phrase, your go-to guy. We are Are your your go-to girls. Welcome back to the Go-To Girls podcast. So last episode, we talked everything from Zoom calls to those awkward awkward, awkward networking moments, spinach in your teeth, you know, a little too many cocktails, you know, we covered everything. You found out why I am obsessed with Deion Sanders. You know, if you don't know, go back and listen to the episode and why you have to show up to your company's quiz night. Okay. So secrets to networking were coming your way. Here's the deal. We got the man himself tonight. Our go-to networking guy is our here. go-to guy, our go-to guy. He's here and he is Mr. Go-To Networking of Philadelphia. If anybody is networking in Philadelphia, you know this man. He is the awkward networker himself. He is the person who has hooked me up in the Philadelphia area with my, basically helping me to build my network. Sean Hand, welcome to Go-To Girls. Welcome, this Sean. This is awesome. I'm so happy for you. Uh, this is so cool. Sean. Even just listening to the two of you intro, I'm like, oh, yeah, we're doing this. Are you proud this. of us? Because remember when I'm we called st- you like two months ago and we're like, all right, we want to <laughs> yeah. start a podcast. What do we do? And you're like, do not do these 10 things. Do these five. Well, the best part was I said, do not do these three things. And Kristen, my wife is in the other room and she was like, don't forget about four through 10. You know, like she remembered all of the We all need a Kristen. We all need a Kristen. She's going to have a baby in two weeks and she's going to hook us up and tell us everything that we need to do right and wrong, how we need to do it. What's the right thing? Hey, sometimes it's the best. The don'ts are the best. You know, you, you tell people the do's and they're like, yeah, I do that. And then you tell them the don'ts and they're like, whoa, okay, yeah. thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> that was a good tip because that sounded terrible. Yeah, I take it the good stuff. We're so excited to have you as our first guest because as the go-to girl, we need the go-to guy to kick yeah. us off. And I'm so honored off. you had me. I'm so um, honored you put you, you asked me, but I, the, go, the go-to girls podcast, I was so excited for you guys. And then you asked me to be a part of it. I, I can't believe I'm the first guest. I'm All so right. honored. Thank you. Tell us about yourself, Mr. Awkward Networker. Who is Sean Hand? Give us a little <laughs> bit of the background. So I'm 33. I live, I was born and raised in Philly. I married my high school sweetheart. We've been together since we were 15 years oh old. Oh my God. Okay. Where'd you go to high school? We have to know that, Sean. Yeah. Father Judge. We both what? grew up in Northeast Philly. Yeah. You know, I went to Carol. Carol. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Carol. Wait. Carol. Bigger question. Hey. What parishes are you both from? That's the bigger um, question. That's the parish thing, right? So I'm Matt's, she's Jerome's. See, All right. So I, yeah, I was I on Cotton Avenue. Oh, I, see, yeah. see, I don't know the parish thing. I only know the high school. So no one asked you like, what parish are you from? No, like in that's, the Philly area? that's what I say. Sean, this is what I say about Philly. So I, right after college, I lived in New York, right? I moved to Philly and I was at a bar one night and a guy's like, what grade school do you go to? I was like, excuse me, sir. Like, you know what I mean? Philly's such yeah, a small like, town. Exactly. Yeah, that's what it is. I mean, if you're truly like Philly, Philly, like it's not six degrees of separation. It's like one and a half, you know, mm-hmm. and you have to have a checklist. Like your brother has to be a cop. You have to have mm-hmm. like your aunt down the street. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone owns a deli. You know, there's like a checklist <laughs> that you have <laughs> to go through, you know, I, just to have the Philly thing. I just remember when I moved the hubby here, one, he couldn't say Concha Hawken. He went Crunch, he went Crunch Hawken. 
And he went to her, his first day of work and they asked him what parish she was from and what high school he went to and what grade school. And he's, he's like, out. he's like, I'm from Chicago. Like, I have no time for this. <laughs> people. people, I have no time. If he couldn't say Conchahawken, please don't tell, crunchy. Me, tell me you took him. He called him. it crunchy, not <laughs> crunchy. Crunchy. When he saw the Schuylkill, he must have been like, I'm not even going to try it. He's like, like, it's, he's it's like, that river. It's that place over there. The, the, the water. Well, yeah. So we're lifelong Philadelphians. I grew up in Mayfair and she, she grew up in the Holmesburg section. And then we went to LaSalle University together. And then we both started working in the city. She works at Penn, uh, at, at University of Pennsylvania Hospital. I started working at KPMG. And uh, we lived in the city. Oh, we had that like city dink life, dual income, no kids. Excuse me. Five <laughs> yes. star restaurant. Yes. What else am I spending my money on? Living the dream. And we had a blast for like six, five, six, five years, I guess, five, six years in the city. Lived right at the Leviathan Lombard, took our dog to Seeger Dog Park with our uh, Starbucks after we woke up at like 1030 on a Saturday. This is the life. I love you. it. Uh, God, dream. Living the, I, I, and it's coming out of a holster because it feels like forever ago. <laughs> it's like I remember how amazing that was. And then. We, when my wife is pregnant with my first child, we moved out to Delaware County. So Delco, I was like, oh, baby, Delco. Delco. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, I will be Delco people now. Uh, again, same stuff. But what I liked out here is like, it's what parish you're from, you know, fourth, fifth generation Delco. Everyone's wearing Delco hats, like very Delco pride <laughs> out here. And it's just fun. I, I love it out here. So we moved out here about six years ago, maybe a little more than that when my son was born. My son's six. Uh, my daughter's five. I just turned five. My wife's doing two weeks with uh, with our third. And I was just telling you two, literally today, I just got my second vaccine. So I'm all pumped and yes. I didn't have any reaction. So I was celebrating by uh, going out. My, me and my wife went to the Westchester SPCA and just got a dog. So yeah, that's what you do, right? When you have that's another baby celebrate. coming in two weeks, I'm pretty sure I read that in like the baby books. It was like, <laughs> you know, here's how weeks. to swaddle. Yeah. Here's get the Pfizer. Make sure. and go get a dog. <laughs> it might as well go big. I mean, come on. That's it. That's what I said. We were driving home and we were and I was like, oh, like, oh, do you think people are going to think we're crazy? I was like, please, that ship is sailed. Like anyone <laughs> that knows us knows. <laughs> like <laughs> that we already kind of, that's gone, man. That's, that's far off in the horizon. And secondly, like, let's just have some fun. You know what I mean? Like, the pandemic, all this stuff, like, screw it, man. Let's just pile it, everything on. Let's have some fun. Well, here's the real question. Did you name the dog or did your kids get to name the dog? No. So we learned that lesson. So I want to keep my voice down because the kids could probably hear me in the other room. But no, uh, long story short, we named the dog. She has okay. a little she has a little pink thing on her nose. So we we called her Pinky. Cute, so she's a little, cute. little, little okay. pinky. Yeah. yeah. And you didn't put her so, on a Delta jet from Oprah and get an F1B Cavapoo <laughs> mini golden doodle. You went to and we're a good person and a good humane person to That's go home a dog. That's what you did. Because you're a Stop. good person, Sean Hands. I can't no, I'm not a good person. You know why? Because we just we have a baby coming. I don't want a puppy. Uh, so that was the thing. It's like, I want an eight month old dog that's already spayed and, and got its shots and the house broken and the whole night. No, like this whole, I don't get it. People are like, oh, I, I saved her. She's a rescue. It's like, really? You ran into a burning building and got the dog. You didn't <laughs> rescue it. You went down to the SBCA like we all do. And it's a very great thing. There's a lot of dogs there that need homes. And I'm so glad that we got to give little Pinky a, a great home. But You're a good man. My, my mother-in-law got a new puppy from a breeder. And everyone's like, oh, like she took it to the vet. And they're like, oh, you know, I'm not, bad. we really don't bad. like breeders. I'm like, oh, shut up. Like, it's a beautiful dog. And she's still not bad. And yeah, she's, she's happy. Oh, my God. 
in, in 2021, man, anytime somebody is happy and someone else has something to say about it, I'm just like, you can go take a walk. Like, as long as you have like, joy in 2021, let this person be happy. Good grief. All right. So, so yeah. Sean, I need the personal background. How did you get into networking? How did you become the awkward networker? Where did this all start for you and your passion for the networking piece of this? So yeah, it's a good question. I think it really, so, I mean, I got my job at KPMG networking, right? So I mm. got, had the job lined up my junior year of college. I was volunteering at an event called coaches versus cancer. And I was just like a young dude. Like, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And <laughs> I think I still hold the, the record at LaSalle university for most declared majors at eight. You heard that correctly. That isn't a typo. That was no. most declared me. Like imagine to be so clueless. It's not like you took eight different types of courses. Like you declared, like I went in and like signed, I want to do this for the rest of my life eight different times. That's all how clueless I was. Wait, and can I, never I please took... tell you, Sean Hand, that when I went to college, I was an elementary education major. How frightening is this? I was going to teach children. I <laughs> oh, fell you'd asleep. Be a great to... teacher. I would be a good teacher. Oh, stop it. But I fell asleep during my student teaching because I was so hungover and it was a Wizard of Oz theme. I fell asleep on a beanbag student teaching during my class. And the teacher walked in and goes, that is not appropriate. And I was like, you are absolutely correct. It is not appropriate for me to be sleeping on a beanbag hungover during the Wizard of Oz theme that I planned for this week. The good week. witch. The good witch. So did Look. Laura Sherwin ever teach? No, I did not. I certainly did not go to teach it. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I watched a lot of like CSI. It sounds like you got framed. Why are they going to put a beanbag chair? Where obvious hungover. There you go. And a movie? Oh, please. I would have fallen Friday movie too. day. Hungover the teacher. I mean, what did you want Sounds me to like do? You got that and I'm like, so it was a like four hours. Yeah. What did you want me to yeah. do during that movie? Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, yeah. So I was also quite clueless, right? And then, and so I'm at this event and I was just kind of you know, helping people uh, find their, their table cards, you know? And I met this individual. And one of the things that I was like, wow. I look back at this moment because it was a really strong lesson for me. And I, some, one of the many lessons I try to teach my counselees and, and people that follow Aqua Networker, I met this guy, right? This guy walked in. He's like middle age guy. Walked in. You could tell this guy was the guy. Like he, mm -hmm. everyone wanted to talk to him, you know, hey, Jerry, how's the golf game? <laughs> and everybody's just like, just, just pounding this guy. And he's this sleazy way. And he's giving nobody any attention. He's given no one more than 30 seconds, right? As he works this room. I'm like, wow, I don't know who this dude is, but he's, he's somebody, you know, never met him before. And I noticed at the time that his wife, who is his plus one, no one was talking to her, just nobody. I mean, they're all hounding him and she's just standing there, all of the nonverbal communication cues, right? The huffs, the looking away, the crossed arms, the, you know, whatever. And he's doing all the things, right? The rubbing her lower back, trying to pull her into away from conversations, into other conversations, trying to make her a part of it. But I just felt for this guy. I'm like, dude, I've been there. You know, like you're just to be the plus one when you don't want to be there or to bring a plus one that is not having fun. It's just a mood killer. Like it just, you don't want to be there. So I'm young. I have nothing to lose. So I went right up to her. I just started like rapping with her, like having a blast. Like she's cracking up. I was like, so I asked her what she's wearing. Like I had no idea what the hell. Was. She's like, yeah, what? Ow, I was like, I who, who are you? Who are you wearing? She's like, are you? Is that a real question? I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing here. I was like, I don't know. Is that what is that what people ask? So we ended up having this like really fun conversation. 
this guy turned to me and he looked at me and he gave me 15 minutes of his time because I completely lifted that event for him. Right. I didn't know what I was doing. This wasn't like a premeditated thing. I was just trying to have fun, but I realized the most important person in the room often is the guest of the most important person in the room. Mm -hmm. You have that person opening up and having fun. Whoever brought that person is going to be locked onto you because you are a godsend to that person. Right. So I ended up having a really fun conversation he gave me his card. He said, look, if you ever are looking to get into you know, accounting or finance, please give me a call. And I looked at it and said, KPMG. And I never took an accounting or finance course, if you can believe mm. that. right? So I'm like, what is this? Like, is this a radio station? Like, like I, I was like- my ninth major. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I literally have never took a course. Like of all the majors, none of them were in the business school. And so, but I gave him a call. Long story short, very long story short, I ended up getting the job there and, and I've worked there now for 12 years. And now I'm in the business development capacity. But I look back at that moment and all the moments in between, all of the mentorships I've developed, all the champions I've had, all of the success that I had, the boards that I've sat on, and all of it stems back from who I know. It has nothing mm-hmm. to do with what I know. I was an international economics major. That's finally what I landed on. I used that book education exactly zero minutes in the working world. Right. Mm-hmm. So what is that? What does that mean? That means all of the other success that I've had had to do with getting to know people and building people, building a network and making sure that I do two things. One, I never forget that everyone operates under enlightened self-interest, meaning when I meet people, I have this constant mantra in my mind that this person is thinking all day long, everything that's said around them, every decision that's made, every action that transpires, this person is thinking, how is this going to affect me? and my family, and my group, and my team, and my organization, mm-hmm. and my country, and my city? How is this going to affect me. So I always remember that right now I'm on your podcast, right? So you're probably thinking, all right, how is this dude going to help me elevate this podcast? Right. And the second thing is I always try to keep in mind that people want to be around people that make them look good. Right. When I was younger, I told you, my wife and I started going out when we were 15, every Friday and Saturday night, when we were going out in high school, I would go over to her house, hoping to spend time with my, you know, my, my high school crush and a little one-on-one time, you know, before we went out to 7-Eleven parking lot. And I don't know. I don't know what the hell we did it's in high school. You know, we we're up to no good, but nonetheless, we used to go to grandstands. Yeah. Readers. yeah you just we used to go to yeah, or, or drink, drink in the woods or drink exactly. beer in the woods or run from the cops, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever floats your boat, you know, <laughs> yeah. trip in the woods. <laughs> God, Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, I'll finish this thought. So, but when we, when I would go over there, I would want to spend one-on-one quality time, but I couldn't because her, house was always mobbed with her girlfriends every Friday and Saturday mm-hmm. night, always mobbed with the girlfriends. And the reason they were, they were always predictably there is because my wife was the hairdresser of the group. Oh my God. She had them all looking good. Mm-hmm. Whether it was spritz of spray, straightening, curling, crimping, like the whole night, everybody looked good. I think slick back was like a big look at that, that, that time. <laughs> so the whole thing, they all left, they marched out at her house looking their best. And I, I didn't appreciate it at that time, but I look back at that as really my my second basic principle of relationship development, which is people want to be around people that want that make them look good, right? People will always gravitate towards people that make them look good. So that's that it, is, man. That's all I do. It's so huge, Sean. But what strikes me is you were telling that story about walking up to the guest of the guest. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times I think we hear, yeah, but he must be an extrovert. He must be super confident and just, you know, love to talk to people. What do you think about all that? And what do you, what's your advice for introverts or people who just aren't as comfortable, like the people who are wallflowers? 
the first thing I always tell all my introverted friends, first of all, everyone's on some intro extrovert spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. So introverts all the way over here, they don't prepare often, but introverts thrive in these situations in which they're familiar with the surroundings. They're prepared. They have a strategy. They know who's going to be there. They know the, the key players. Introverts thrive in many situations mm-hmm. when they feel prepared. Yet yeah. my introverted friends tend to abandon that reliance they have on preparation when they walk into one of the most awkward situations imaginable, which is meeting new people. And they haven't prepared. They have no preparation plan. And so what do they do? They walk in, they go, oh, yeah, I don't like this. And they cling to the walls. Now, on the other side of the spectrum is the extroverts. We feel like we don't need to prepare. I'm going to say we in this, right? Because yeah. like, why would I prepare to like meet new people? What's to prepare for? Like, I'm I'm awesome. Okay, I'm going to tell killer stories. <laughs> My jokes are all going to land. I'm going to make like a thousand <laughs> friends. And then we show up unprepared. And then we end up doing the infamous thing all of us extroverts do, which is we put our foot in our mouth. We say something stupid. We inadvertently create a conversation that we didn't want to get into. We do something that we otherwise wouldn't have done had we been prepared. And then instead of clinging to the walls, we cling to the bar because that's what as extroverts mm, do, right? So, so everyone in between, well, I would say for introverts, preparation is the biggest, the biggest thing. Audience purpose of questions. That's my little prep, APQ. Who's going to be there? Audience. Think about it. Think about who the audience is going to be, right? Mm-hmm. If it's experienced engineers or if it's, you know, young professional sales and marketing people, like yeah. think about two different vibes I just put, put out there. Totally. So right. audience is key. Your purpose. Why are you there? have a deliberate purpose for what you're trying to accomplish. And then questions, think of two questions that you have in your holster that are open-ended enough to stimulate conversation, but Mm -hmm. specific enough to be interesting to that party. And the reason being is when you you have those awkward silences, right? Where everyone's minds go blank at the same time and we start shuffling and we jingle our drink and everyone's looking around and it's like you and three other people. And you're like, Oh my God, someone, please, for the love of God, say something and get us out of this awkward situation. Exactly. Happens twice at, at, at night, you know, when you have one of these two stock questions, you unleash one of those questions and, and it's not weather related. Like, oh man, the summer is hot, mm-hmm. winter is cold. An actual con- concrete question. You resuscitate that flatline conversation and then you send signals to everybody in the room that you are a very strong networker that I feel like for introverts really cuts through some of the imposter syndrome they may deal with where it's like, I don't belong here. This is not for me. If you come prepare with a couple of ways to facilitate conversation, I mean, it's going to feel like second nature to you after a while. And Cheryl, what advice, which I think is huge when we're in networking events in person, but COVID has changed all of that, right? Mm -hmm. And your book came out during COVID, all these things are happening. What advice are you giving to people who are trying to build their networks, grow their network in this virtual world we're living in right now? Yeah, it's a good question. And a lot of people are dealing with that. There's been a big change. I think the biggest change that we've all experienced is that fact that spontaneity is dead. I think the fact that spontaneity is dead is a really big thing. You know, I used to be able to just go to my clients or go anywhere, bump into people at the coffee shop and build a network, right? Right. But all of that's gone. I'm looking at the same four walls I've been looking at for over a year, yet most of my success is predicated upon new relationships or strengthening Mm -hmm. existing relationships. So like, how do I do it? Building a virtual brand is obviously the number one thing you should do. One of the things I talk about in in a lot of my workshops I do now is this push-pull dynamic that happens, right? So we're now in a situation where I'm on my couch and I don't want to build relationships. So what I default to, which is what many of us default to, is pushing. Hey, can I get a new calendar? 
Hey, just saw mm. you did this. Hey, hey, take a look at this thought leadership. Hey, do you mind if you're on my, you know, can I send you a webcast or can you be, can you be on my podcast? <laughs> yeah, whatever, right? Like we're always pushing, which is fine because it's all good stuff, but people are busy and we're all pushing the same thing to the same key decision makers and stakeholders and people that we want to influence. So what I try to implore people to do, and this isn't easy, but I give some examples in my presentations and stuff that I do is you have to create an environment, a unique situation, a unique brand, whereby you're creating a pull environment where you're Mm. pulling people towards you. For me, that's awkward networker, but for others, I try to help them figure out what their virtual brand is, how to make it unique how to make it something attractive so that you're actually creating a pull environment in which people are reaching out to you to build relationships so that you're not always doing the pushing. Because soon enough, you cast a wide enough net, you build a large enough following, you're going to see some of the people that you're pulling towards you are the people you were going after all along. And regardless of what industry you're in, I think it's it's just something that's really important that you can do virtually. I uh, Last thing I'll say about this, I had two posts on LinkedIn somewhat recently, and I did the numbers because I wanted to talk about this for, for some of my counselees. Two posts on LinkedIn took me five minutes, right? Not a big deal. Mm-hmm. 43,000 43, views. Of those 43,000 views, 280 people clicked follow next to my name, next to my face. Sean mm-hmm. Hand, business, develop, business developer and awkward network, right? Why does that matter? Most people hear that and they're like, cool, 43,000 views. What are you going to spend it on, right? Like it doesn't matter. It's just a popularity contest. The power of this, right, is that of those 43,000, that awarded me 280 quote unquote followers. Again, who cares? Of those 280 followers, 92 of those people, I looked it up, 92 of those people that clicked follow next to my name, my face, who I am, are people at my clients. Mm. Five minutes. I never left my couch. 92 people are now following me, my image, my likeness, want to know more about me, will see me every time they log on because they followed me. And these are the same clients I've been pounding pavement, taking them to ball games, walking the halls, knocking on every door, desperately for trying to get money. them. Asking for that money. money. It's so trying to get them to follow me. Interesting. It's more of that moth to a flame. Instead of the moth, you're becoming the flame. It's it's really interesting to think about it that way. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a great piece of advice because you're right. It's the push, the push. And not only is that annoying at some points, it's exhausting. Right. You're pushing to somebody for a reason, right? Why aren't you someone that people are pushing towards? You know, mm-hmm. and that, and that's just the question I asked myself early pandemic was like, I'm really kind of sick of this. I had a, a three month pity party where I'm like, stinks like spontaneity's gone. I can't just run into people and I'm only good in person. The whole thing. Yeah, you had a flip script. Exactly. Let me manufacture, let me artificially create these moments of spontaneity that I used to rely upon so heavily. And let me do that in this virtual environment so that I will serendipitously show up on your feed. I will spontaneously show up somehow on your computer one way or another. How do I create that environment? And, and then when you see me, how do I make it attractive enough that you want to learn more about me or my brand or whatever I represent? So, Sean, I know we have we could ask you a million questions, but I think just being real and honest, like, do you think your network is a reason why you are a success? For sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yes. That said, I'll take it. I can take it a step further and say, right now, if I look at my success, what I'm hoping to achieve this year, okay, just the KPIs I've set for myself personally and professionally, 90% of that success is dependent upon like six people. And I think that's the thing that a lot of people talk about. Like, 
a network, having a large network is really important. But in this virtual environment, especially if you have an extra hour to dedicate towards your relationship development, so to speak, sometimes that extra hour could be best used elevating the current relationships you have versus going out and getting new ones. Because going out and getting new ones requires a little bit of a virtual brand. It requires mm-hmm. uh, there's a whole other set of a whole other set of circumstances. But you already have relationships, right? You already have a little bit of a network. If you take an hour and try to elevate those relationships into coaches, champions, mentors, now you might be able to get an even higher return off of those relationships. And really, I would say there's like six or seven names I could put down and I could look at them and say, yeah, I mean, if these people don't advocate for me as hard as I as they've been advocating for me, that I won't get that promotion. I probably won't get those clients. Mm-hmm. I probably won't be able to do the business that I thought I wanted to do. So yes, my network is really important, but coaches, mentors, having people invest their time, talent, and treasure in your development and what having a, a vested interest in your success is really, really key. And it's I not easy to do. love that piece of advice because I think even with culture and society the way it is today, it's so much about what's the next top thing. You forget the people who have been backing you all along or fostering mm-hmm. those relationships. I, I think that's such a key piece of advice. Yeah. They don't want anything in return monetary, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think like, and I've, some of my counselors have asked me this recently, like, I feel like my coaches or my mentors or whatever, like, I feel like they're slipping away in this virtual environment. Like the relationships are kind of dissipating. And what do I do? How do I strengthen those? Do I send them stuff? Like, and really the, my, my question in return is like, when was the last time you told them that they're helping you? When was the last time you thanked them for what they're doing? Yeah. Let them know that their words and their, their investment in you has yielded some success some happiness and mm-hmm. that you're giving it back to others in return. Those are the two major things to, help, to keep any coach close to you or any mentor close to you. They don't want a monetary return. All, they're shrewd investors of their time, but their time investment, all they're looking for in return is to know that they're helping you. Mm-hmm. Right. So if it's been a little bit since you've like articulated to them or shot them a text and say, Hey, by the way, those last couple things that you said, are really helping me get over this hump or this challenge or helping me you know, take advantage of this opportunity ahead of me. I just want to thank you so much. Like I would have never do, do, to do this without you. Like that goes such a long way for those it relationships. It does. Thank you goes such a long way. And you know, what we really wanted to talk about with you, Sean, too, is, you know, this podcast is primarily geared towards women. Yeah. I mean, hello to our two male listeners, but you know, Break it down for us. You know, I think there's a lot of myths out there, but I think sometimes stereotypes exist for a reason. Like, what do you see as the biggest difference between men and women when it comes to networking? I don't want you to think I'm not answering the question, but dude, I, I haven't really noticed a lot, to be honest okay. with you. And no, even that's... if you paint in broad brushstrokes, I can't do that. If there's anything that I've noticed, it's more along my counselees and my mentees, mm-hmm. right? So it's more... So it's tough because it's like, how much of this is just being a young professional and not having the confidence in in what you do versus being a, a female professional and a male professional? Mm-hmm. It's that's been the because Divide. for for yeah, because for a lot of the experienced professionals that I've talked to or helped mentor, I don't see a lot of differences between male and female networkers. It's usually for the younger generation. And so, like, give you for instance, one of the, the young women I, I mentored for a while. We were at an event, this is like back in 2018, and it was a breakfast thing at the Union League. 
very hoity toity. Oh, you know, I was going to say, okay, okay, very fancy. I had a meeting at the Union League, and I let me tell you, hey, yo, I knew that I was getting that million dollar contract when I walked out of that place. Let me tell you. <laughs> Oh. Excuse me, sir. Sir, I'm at the union. Your, like, excuse your me. Your jacket doesn't have four buttons. Please uh, advise. <laughs> I love when they were like, yeah. do you want to be a member? I was like, no, I can't afford that in my cottage <laughs> home that I live with my husband in Haddon Heights. No, thank you. But thank you for asking. Like, Do I grab a monocle at the front door? Like, Do I come <laughs> with a monocle? I'm so confused. So, yeah, it was one of those events. And it was all good. But it was uh, for, for KPMG. And it was a partner event. Right. And she had joined the firm less than a year before. And I was kind of helping her with a lot of these things and really like helping her develop in in these situations. And one of the things she asked me was, um, I said, did you grab something to eat? Because it was like a buffet type thing. Mm -hmm. She said, are we allowed to eat? I said, and I looked at her and I said, well, the breakfast, breakfast is for people who belong. And she was like, oh, okay. And like, didn't know what to do. And I was like, so go get a plate. Therefore you belong. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. ask if you belong and then go right. fill up Seeking your plate. Permission. Yeah. As long as you are have breakfast in, on your plate, everyone assumes you belong. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like, don't like, and that's just how I feel because I'm a little bit more aggressive in that sense, I guess. Like yeah. I, lo- I want someone to tell me I don't belong, which has happened. And I go, <laughs> all right, my bad. But until then I just, I'm going to show up and act like I belong. Mm-hmm. And then I want, I want someone to tell me that I don't belong. Right. So that's a little bit of, but just, that's a little bit more me. I'm a little more aggressive in that sense. And so for the young women I, I mentor, I like to give them a little bit of that as well and, and remind them like, no matter where you go or what you're doing, just fill up your plate and you belong. And that's yeah. just, and let, you know, it's great. Have a presence, act like you own the room. You know, it's, it is great. Act like you belong. I love that. Cause I you do. So she sat down right. got into a conversation. Like nobody's, what, what do they check your, <laughs> check your card or something. Exactly. Sit down, have a conversation. Yeah. All right. So buddy, before we go to our closing question, I have to ask you, you just adopted a dog. You have your third kid on the way. You work at KPMG. You have a book. You do speaking engagements. You are jug- you've never missed a T-ball game for Eric. And I know that. And this is not just because mm-hmm. I know you personally, but the biggest question we get asked by our viewers is how do we juggle it all? Like how, how are you doing that? How are you and Kristen as a team doing that? Like, how do you kind of make sure you're building the time to have these side hustles, but also manage your family and a full-time big time job that you have? It's a good question. And I'm glad you said you and Kristen as a team, because that's really, that come, that's what it is, right? Like we just got to, yeah, you know, if, you, if you're lucky enough to have a, a partner in all of this, you just got to look at each other and, and see when the, where the breaking points are happening and when you have to put some stuff away and, and go, go help that other person. So the teaming thing is key. That, that aside, I would say it's interesting because like, you know, th- there's like this symbiotic thing that happens between my work, my nine to five thing that puts a roof over the head and, and you know, food on my kids' plates and funds my 401k. Like that's really mm-hmm. important to me. KPMG is extremely important to me, but I get burned out. I get burned out pretty often. And so for me, I just wrote an article about this recently is I don't think it's because I'm working too much that I get burned out. I think it's because I haven't varied my work diet. And that was the name of the article is vary your work diet. Like mm. I started to realize like if I just turned off KPMG for an hour and I go, and I'm leaving family out of this for now, but I, I go, you know, and, and write an article for awkward networker, or I, you know, Lauren, you and I working on furlough network, or I, you know, put some time into helping some counselees with their, you know, resumes, whatever, like the fulfillment I get from that 
or putting out something for Awkward Network or having people read it and respond and say like, hey, this was so thought provoking. I needed this right there. Like feeling I'm providing like, oh my gosh, like it's immediate gratification. And I get so like jacked up off of that. Like I just get so mm-hmm. like, that's so motivating for me and it's so much fun. And I have creative juices flowing again. And I feel like I'm not, I feel like someone else. And then I shut that laptop and then I reopened my KPMG laptop. And guess what? That burnout I was feeling, it didn't take me six weeks at a vacation to get over it. It took me, mm-hmm. you know, two hours. Right. And so I feel like having a varied work diet is really important and it really helps me kind of jump from one to the other. The last thing I'll say is I do get overworked on one thing or another, right? Like there is a busy season, things like that happen. And so for Awkward Networker, if I hang it up for a couple of weeks, it just happened. Or, you know, when I was working on the book, I didn't publish any articles or anything for like four months. The advantage of of it in this virtual world is like, I got so worked up, like, oh my God, I I haven't done anything. I'm such a loser. Like, is it over? Should I just not like, should I just hang it up? And then guess what happens? Like you pick it back up. You know, like on a Sunday, I would go to a coffee shop for three hours and start like jotting down articles, start responding to emails, and it picks right back up. Like the embers are still smoldering, and mm-hmm. you just go and you just you know you, you tend to it and you show it some love, and it bursts right back into flames. And and then next thing you know, it's off and running again, and you know books getting published, and all kinds of fun things are happening. When I just hung it up on the shelf for four months, right? So like that's it too, is there, you'll never know. A mentor told me this. You'll never know when you've given enough to charity, when you've spent enough time with your family or when you've worked hard enough, like no bell goes off and says like, Oh, you fulfilled your requirement for the day. It's all feel. And that's just how it is, man. It's such words of wisdom over here by Sean Hand. I love this. (laughs) Well, Sean, you talked a little bit, or you mentioned the book. So tell our audience Number one, we want to know about the book, where we can buy it, and then what's next for you. Are we wow. on a book tour? Are we waiting for COVID to, you know, leave <laughs> the global stratosphere? What's going on with that? So the that's a good question. So the book is called That Was Awkward: Seven Secrets of an Awkward Networker. And it's all about, it's literally the how-to guide. It takes it's no more than an hour and a half read, maybe two hours if you want to really stop, take some notes, right? But it's everything that you need. No fluff. No, I didn't. Love that. I don't have no to, fluff. I didn't. We don't need yeah, no fluff. No, Straight like, to the punch. Oh, you need 10 case studies in order to make this. That's like, nah, dude, I'm not polling anybody. I'm not like giving like telling you 10 stories of people mm-hmm. that have overcome awkward situations. Nah, just my tips, techniques, and a couple anecdotes to kind of make it light and help it help drive it home. But what it's going to do is going to shake off all of that rust that's been developing for all of us over the last year in this virtual environment, because mm-hmm. pretty soon, I mean, I just got my second vaccine and a lot of people are, people are going out golfing again. They're having small dinners, ready to small roll. gatherings. Yep. I'm ready to go out. I mean, I, I licked every doorknob on the way out. Like, <laughs> I was so pumped. <laughs> 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 I'm, like, I'm celebrating. I, I don't care. So, so anyway, so, so these people are getting together again. Right. And so we're going to start networking in person again. And, you know, the muscle memory is there, but you're going to really need to mm-hmm. kind of shake off some of that rust. So yeah. this book, go get it on Amazon. It's called That Was Awkward, Seven Secrets of an Awkward Networker. Pick it up on Amazon. It's uh, it's literally going to be like your how-to Bible. Hold on to this. It's going to give you everything you need to know to walk into a room and influence people. Love that. Love that so much. We will also post that in the show notes and the descriptions. So you guys can go pick that up. And Thank close you. us out, Mr. Hand. What does a girl, go-to girl mean to you? And when you think of your go-to girl, who do you think of or what qualities of that individual? You, my friend, Lauren, were my go-to girl <laughs> quite, quite a bit. 
And uh, so the name fits. I like it. Oh my god, thank it you does. So, yeah, thank you, you so much for saying that. Oh my god, thank you. <laughs> you are the yeah. You're definitely the go-to girl. You were so. And what you were the go-to girl for was, I felt like you know you were great at. I could introduce you to anybody, and that person would come back to me and say, "Hey, thank you so much for introducing me to Lauren. She's amazing." Right. Knowing that that was your brand, and I'm not doing this to, to make you blush or whatever. This Feel is really good about myself. What, Thank you so much. What, what I love, yeah, really I'm glad. I hope it does. That'd be a cool, you know, uh, consequence of this. But when you and I were hanging out, I was like, man, she's just straight up like you're going to be an absolute leader, absolute success, like no brainer. So once I knew that about you, you were my go-to girl for introducing you to other people that I also wanted to make sure that would stay influential in my own network, mm. right? Because you were an asset. Introducing you to people made other people think more highly of me, right? And it wasn't that boiled down, but that was one of the things I loved about having you as my go-to girl for new introductions, right? And you were new to the city. I felt like I was able to just kind of unlock a whole lot of my network to you. And every single person got back to me was just like, see, that's why you're the best, Sean. You know all the good people, right? So you made me look good. That's really cool. It's like an analogy. Like if you're Jeter, you, well, I mean, he's going under controversy now, but you want an A-Rod on your team. Like you want a good team. <laughs> Somebody who's going to make you look good. Yeah. Surrounding yourself with, you know, lazy people who aren't doing anything isn't going to up your brand. Exactly. Exactly. And that's it. I mean, and that's the point of having a network is not the sheer quantity so much as it is the quality, right? And mm -hmm. then being able to introduce really good quality people to each other, they'll never forget how they met, right? And they'll, they'll remember your name because they met through you. And when they're both successful and, you know, making each other successful, you're always a part of that. And I think that's just such a cool, unique thing about networking that you get to kind of be a part of, of two other people's growth journeys. It's just, uh, to me, it's just intrinsically like really awesome to, to me. And, and that would be one of the things I look for and like go-to girls, go-to guys is who can I introduce? If I introduce this person to people that are important to me, will that ultimately reflect positively on me? Oh, Sean, thank you so much for stroking my ego. I just feel so good about myself right now. <laughs> I could run a marathon. I could run through a brick wall, but seriously, I think you gave us so much great insight. I know everyone's excited to go grab the book, to learn more, to have yes. some more opportunities for networking, but just for you to take the time. The baby's going to be here in two weeks. you got a lot going on, my friend, but thank you for taking the time and hanging out with the go-to girls tonight. We really appreciate it. It was thank really you. an honor. Oh my gosh. Thank you guys so much for having me on. This was so much fun. And thank let me know if there's anything else I can do for you. You're the best. Yeah. You are the best. And you guys know, go check out go-to girls podcast on Instagram. Follow us on go2girlspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe, check out the pod. And we just want you to make sure you go buy Sean's book and check him out as well. Sean, Thank you again. You are part of the go-to girl squad for sure. Oh, yeah. Sean, Thank you, you are the best. Let our audience know, though, before we say goodbye, where can they find you? Where can they connect? Do we have a website, an Insta? Where should they find you? Awkwardnetworker.com is my website. And on uh, Instagram at awkwardnetworker. I'm not tweeting a lot. Again, back to that smoldering embers thing. The embers are, are getting really, really the, low. I haven't tweeted a lot. tweets but you might revive. Yeah, we'll exactly. See. Maybe I'll come back with a vengeance, but find me on a LinkedIn. I'm a big, I'm a avid user of LinkedIn. So find me on LinkedIn at Sean Hand. And if you have any questions, I respond to everybody, not always immediately, but I all, I have a 100% response rate. So please go find me on LinkedIn. Sean, we cannot thank you enough. Go find him, the awkward networker. And thank you so much for being our first go-to guy. This is great. Thank you for having me. We love this it. This is so much fun. Thank you. Sean, send our love to Kristen. Have that baby. 
we're so excited for you, buddy, to expand your family. Congratulations. Oh, thank you, bud. I can't wait. That's awesome. All right, guys. See ya. Bye.